Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Amen. Thanks so much, y'all. Great, great, great worship this morning. Great music, great words, great promises and truths we've been singing today. I hope you've caught hold of some of those as we've been worshiping the Lord together this morning. I want to talk about search and rescue. Um, you know, you hear of a child missing, news report, maybe a amber alert comes on your phone or something, and those always just cause your heart to kind of stop, and uh, you know, you just can't, you just can't imagine being in that situation where you have a lost child or a runaway or something like that. It's just, and so they call out the search and rescue teams to come and to do that, to search and rescue. And I was reading, found a story about a little boy in Montana, three years old. His name is Riker uh, in Montana back in June of this year. Uh, he came up missing. He had been out playing with the family dog. This is probably how I would have gotten lost if I would gotten lost when I was a kid, playing with the family dog. And the farther away the family dog wandered, the farther away the kid went. And so Riker came up missing. His parents called and called the police officer, the, the, the police department, sheriff's department, whoever reported their child missing. Well, I mean, everybody went into high gear. Uh, law enforcement agencies were called out. Uh, the National Guard was called out because he, he was missing for, a, for two solid days. Get, you mamas imagine your three-year-old being gone for two, three, two days and you know, have no idea. I mean, it, you know, whatever child, but, but a little three-year-old missing for two days. And, and come to find out, they finally found him. He was two miles away from his home, and he was in a, a, a shed behind a house. Uh, the owners of the home, the owners uh, heard uh, some noise when they were out in the shed, or in their yard, they heard some noise coming from the shed. They went in there and found him. Little Riker was in that shed, had gone into that shed for some uh, protection because the weather had gotten bad while he had been lost. Pretty smart little kid for three years old, if you ask me, because when they found him, he was inside a lawnmower leaf catcher bag. I mean, that's pretty smart. He needed to get in a place to get warm and get some protection, so he crawled up inside of the, the bag that you put on the side of your lawnmower to catch your leaves, and so he was dirty and nasty, hungry, scared, but he was found. And, and what a joyous moment when, when that happens, just the relief and the joy that um, this wandering kid was found. And I, I want to submit to you today that, you know, whenever somebody wanders off, um, like a child or a teenager that's run away from home, or even a senior adult, my father had Alzheimer's, and his picture's right here, and uh, Daddy had Alzheimer's, and we got worried there as his Alzheimer's progressed that he would begin getting confused uh, and, and would um, go places, directions that he didn't normally go, and would get lost when he went for a walk around our neighborhood that we've lived in since 1968. And Daddy never got lost, but that was a concern of ours because we hear stories of, of senior adults that wander off and get lost. And we know when people wander off, it's dangerous. We know when they wander off that they're, they're, there's a very real possibility that they could get in big, big trouble. Uh, that their lives could even be in danger. They, they, we know that the safe place for them is back with us. 
And, and so uh, we're concerned uh, when people wander away. So I want to submit to you today that here in the church, the body of Christ, we are the search and rescue team for people who have wandered away from the Lord. They've wandered away from the faith. They've wandered away from an intimate fellowship relationship with Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. And so that's what I just want to talk about today because James concludes his letter in James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. If you've got your Bible, open up to James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. It's the very last two verses in the entire book there. So if you get to James, go to the very end. It's the last two verses that, uh, that wraps up this, this book, this letter that James wrote. That's what we're going to focus on today. And, uh, because it's a word to us about bringing back the wanderers. Bringing back the wanderers. So stand please and let's read these two verses of Scripture. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. I hope you got your Bible. If not, maybe you can look on with somebody or pull it up on your phone or something so you can read Scripture with us. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. James says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. May God bless the reading of his perfect word this morning. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we yield our minds and our lives to you now, trusting you to be the teacher and show us truth today that we must apply to our lives, God. And so help us to do that for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So over the last several weeks, um, many of you know that we have been uh, walking through this great book in the New Testament, the book of James. If you're a first-time guest or first time you've been here in a while, <coughs> I want to kind of bring you up to speed on where we are because James is an incredible book in the New Testament. And we have been talking about some very, very important issues and subjects that affect our lives individually as Christ followers. It affects my life and your life individually in our walk with Christ. But it also affects us as a whole the corporate body of Christ, because whatever happens to you happens to me. Whatever's going on in my life has an effect on you because we're connected to one another in the body of Christ. And so James talks about these things over the course of the book of James, things that, that we individually need to be paying attention to in our lives because for, for many reasons, but primarily so that we will be in a in a right relationship with the Lord, but also because we need to make sure that we're right with the Lord so that we can uh, make sure that our church is strong and because we have, we, we're connected to one another. And, and so James, uh, just kind of a recap, I'm certainly not going to preach every sermon that I've preached over the course of uh, this series, but just to remind you of some of the stuff that we've talked about, uh, we've talked about the the difficult times that come into our lives, the tests and the trials that happen in our lives. And even these pictures up here represent a lot of those tests and trials. I know some of the stories of some of the people of, that have passed away, my family certainly, and then others up here. I know some of these stories and what went on prior to the passing away of this loved one and what's happened since then. And so that's, that's a test and trial that we all have to deal with and there's all kinds of things that come in our lives. James certainly talks about that. He talks about, he talked to us about, remember, the need for wisdom. 
that if anyone lacks wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you. Period. If you belong to Christ, he will give you the wisdom that you need. He promises to do that. And he never breaks his promises. So we talked about that. We talked about the, the deadly progression of temptation and sin. And we'll take a look at that again today in the sermon. We'll get back to it in just in a minute. And we talked about then, remember, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Don't just come up in this place and sit on your, your seat and, 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 and just listen to me preach. And if I'm preaching truth, and I pray to God that I am, and you let me know if I'm not, but if I'm preaching truth, don't just come up in here and sit and listen and soak and go, oh, man, that was a good sermon, Brother John, and then go out and just not apply it to your life. You're not applying it to your life so that I'll feel better about my sermon. You're applying it to your life because you must do that to be a doer of the Word and not just a person who comes to church because you want to check your box off and so you can wave at God and say, hey, God, look, I'm in church today. Look how good I am. You need to be a doer of the Word and not just a hearer of the Word. And then we talked about, is your faith alive? Do you have a faith that is alive or is your faith dead? We talked about the power of the tongue, the power of our words. You better watch your mouth. Don't be using words that don't bring honor and glory to the Lord, words that cut people down and gossip and all, all the stuff that, that we can do with our mouths and how dangerous that is. We talked about battling worldliness. And the way that you do that is submit to God and resist the devil and draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And we, the importance of us uh, doing that. And last week we talked about the incredible power of prayer that every Christ follower can have. That every person in this room today and that's watching this service right now, if you know Jesus, then you can and should have a powerful prayer life. Not just a hit and miss kind of who's going to say the blessing at, at, at lunch today kind of prayer life, but you can and should and must have a powerful prayer life. Every Christ follower can have a powerful prayer life. So we talked about that last week. And so all of these sermons have been designed to help draw us closer to the Lord, and I pray that they have, I hope that they have, and draw us closer to the Lord and help us to have a faith that works. And, and so then we come to the end of this. And so these, these last two verses speak to us about, about bringing back those who are not close to the Lord. Bringing back those whose faith is not working right now. And that's what we're talking about. And, and the, the, the need for us to bring back the wanderers. Now understand that James is not talking about here. When you look at these two verses again, and you, my brothers, if anyone wanders from the truth and someone brings back, let him know whoever brings a, back from, uh, a sinner from wandering will save his soul from death, cover a multitude of sins. James is not talking about us witnessing to lost people. That's not what these verses talk about. Now, should we witness to lost people? Yes, okay, I mean, we know that. I'm, I'm under huge conviction about that in my own personal life. Um, the, to, to witness to more people. And, and we need to do that. There's, there's, there's billions of lost people in the world, and thousands of them live right here in Madison County. And, and so there's tremendous need for us to But that's not what James is talking about here. He's not talking about us witnessing to lost people, and he's not talking about somebody losing their salvation because that's simply not possible. According to the Word of God. Now, there are some uh, faith belief systems and theology belief systems where people b do believe that you can lose your salvation, that you can be saved 
today and then screw up and tomorrow you're lost. That ain't the truth from God's Word. That is not the truth. That does not happen. And so that's not what James is talking about here. He's not talking about somebody losing their salvation. What he's talking about here is he's talking about true believers. People who really are Christians. People who really are Christ followers. Like you and me, if you trusted Christ, I'm not going to assume and don't believe that everybody in here has done this, but the majority of us probably have given our lives to Jesus. He's talking to folks like us who have, for whatever reason, wandered away from an intimate fellowship with God. And that is very possible. He is talking about people whose love for Christ has grown cold. And Jesus said that that was going to happen in the end times. That more and more people, the love, he said the love of most will grow cold. I believe that's one reason why so many churches are dying right now across the United States. is because the love of Christ followers is growing cold. And he's talking about people that used to be so on fire for the Lord. But they're not anymore. You know some of them. Yeah, that's who he's talking about. He's talking about people who have fallen into sinful behaviors and patterns that have pulled them out of fellowship with Jesus. He's talking about people, uh, Christ followers, who have become lovers of themselves and their desires more than lovers of God. He's talking about Christ followers, Christians, who no longer desire to hear the truth of the Word of God. They don't want to come to church anymore. So they don't come to church anymore because they don't want to hear whoever is standing in this pulpit preaching the truth of the Word of God. And right now, in this season in the life of this, of this church, that's me. And so they don't want to hear the truth of God's Word anymore. They'd rather go find somebody that will make them feel good about the way they're living their life. Somebody just to kind of tickle their ears and pat them on the head and say, oh, you don't worry about that, that's not too bad. Somebody that's going to tell them, hey, you can live your best life now, and you don't have to worry about this sin stuff. And He's talking about people like that. He's talking about people, lovers of uh, Christians who, 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 he's talking about you and me. Because every one of us in here is susceptible to wandering away from the truth and wandering away from the Lord. Every person in here, that possibility exists for all of us. So wake up, church. We could be talking about you and might be talking about you. Just because you sit in here today doesn't mean that you haven't wandered from the truth. So James is talking about us. We sang an old hymn, one of my favorite old hymns at the 830 service, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing your praise. And there's two lines in the third verse of that hymn. That I think that hymn was written maybe in the 1700s. And, and whoever the guy that wrote it, somehow or another he knew he was going to write about me. Because there's two lines in that hymn that say, Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And that's me. I feel myself. Wait a minute, John, you're the preacher. Exactly. Y'all think I live in some kind of bubble and I don't have to deal with the same kind of temptations and, and vulnerabilities that you go through? And I feel that way. So I mean, God, I'm so prone to wander away from you, Lord. I don't know why, but I'm so prone to do that. I'm so prone to leave the God I love. 
And you are too. You are too. It's so tragic. It is so tragic when a brother or sister in Christ wanders away from the truth, wanders away from intimate fellowship with Jesus, wanders away from the fellowship of the body of Christ. It is a tragic, tragic moment. And that's why James closed his letter after he said all these things. You know, watch out for the tough times. Be a, prayer, a powerful prayer person. Uh, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Watch your mouth. After he said all that, don't show favoritism. Don't be prejudiced. All the things he talked about. All the things that in the last two verses, the last things that he said was, go after the people who have wandered away. So the application for this message is that bringing back wanderers is every Christ follower's responsibility. Bringing back wanderers is every Christ follower's responsibility. So I'm going to ask you three questions today. Let's do question number one. Question number one is this. Why do Christians wander? So remember, we're talking about Christians here. We're not talking about unsaved people. We're talking about Christians. That's who James is talking to here. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you. So he's talking about Christians. So why do Christians wander? Well, the short answer, temptation and sin. Why do Christians wander? Temptation and sin. It goes back, flip back to James chapter 1. A couple of pages back, James chapter 1, go back and look at it again. We preached this message. I'm not going to preach the sermon again, but just to remind you of what he said in James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. He says this, Let no one say when, not if, let no one say when he is tempted, because you've been tempted, I've been tempted all the time. So let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God tempts, cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But this is what happens. You are, each of us is tempted when we are lured and enticed by our own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So see, we wonder when that enticement starts dangling in front of our face. That 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 desire starts welling up within us. That enticement, that, that bait that Satan drops down in front of us, the prospect of some enjoyment and pleasure for our flesh, the, the thought that we deserve to have a little fun, wink, wink, the, the, the illusion that all oh, this one time won't hurt anybody. And then we begin to wander. It's subtle. It's, it's subtle. There's another word for this wandering that we don't use very much, and shame on me for not using it more, but the word is backsliding. You remember, you've heard that word before? Backsliding. And backsliding is the real deal. We don't hear that word much these days, but, but nobody backslides with a bang, with, with some outrageous, hideous, scandalous sin. It, you might end up there. But, but it starts quietly. It starts slowly. It starts insidiously. It starts very subtly. It, it, it starts with a, a small compromise here or a little compromise 
there. It, it starts with a, a shading of the truth over here, a little white lie over here, a little word of gossip over here. It, it starts with a, a lustful look here, a, a greed-filled thought over there. And there we go. It's a gradual, it's a gradual, subtle loosening of our grip on the things that we know are good and right and true and honorable to God. And we start loosening our grip on those things so we can reach out and grab the things of the world. We turn loose of the Word of God and we start in the truths of the Word of God and we start reaching for the lies of the world. Remember, we're talking about Christians here. And that's what we do. And it's subtle. It's like that slow drowsiness that comes over us when we're driving down the road and we it's a long trip and the sun's beating through the front windshield and you're you're warm, you got the air conditioning to go, but you're still warm and the, the eyes isn't that the most miserable feeling in the world? And your your eyes begin to get heavy and your head nods and 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 you turn the air up stronger and you try to sit back up and you turn the music on and, and try to and then and then next thing you know, your head's down, eyes are closed again, and you you come off the side of the road and you hit the rumble strips, the the sleeper lines that wake you back up and so you sit back up again and you okay, I'm awake now, and then you know, another half mile down the road, you're doing it again. And that's what happens. Christians who have wandered are people who have gotten sleepy and drowsy and lazy in their walk with Jesus. Their laziness has made them vulnerable to the temptations that Satan already has planned for you and for me. And once they begin to get drowsy, begin to get sleepy, begin to get lazy, and they start loosening their grip on the things of God, then they have begun wandering away from the truth and wandering away from God. And they wander away from the safety of their Savior's arms. Don't you know when little Riker got back home in Montana this June, that his mom and never want to turn loose over again. Don't you know that hug that he got, the first one he got? She probably about broke his back. He probably couldn't breathe. She was holding him so tight and crying and holding on to him. And, just, and, and when you wander away, you're out of that grip. That's why Christians wander. It's because it's temptation and sin. Question number two is this. Why, what should we do when Christians wander? When Christians wander. What should we do when Christians wander? The, the short answer, go after them. Go after them. When Christians wander, go after them. Let me let, think about this. So right here in the middle of the worship service, pray to God this never happens. But right here in the middle of the worship, what if this side door, what if this side door over here on the CLC burst open and one of the nursery workers comes running into this room and runs up here on this platform and goes, Brother John, Brother John, please, please help us. Help us, Brother John. Little, little two-year-old Billy has wandered off. I, I, I didn't mean to turn my back, but I just was, I was doing something with another kid over here and somehow or another the, the door was open and Billy wandered out and we didn't notice he was gone because we had so many kids in there and we didn't notice he was gone and he got 
somehow or another, he got out of the building and he's missing now. And we, we can't find him, Brother John. Please, you know what we would do right now? Man, we'd shut this service down. Every one of us would run out of this building. We'd scatter everywhere calling his name. Billy, Billy, where are you, Billy? Holler, let us know. We'd run it. We'd call, we'd call Artie over here at the police department. We'd call the sheriff's department. We'd, we'd call out the fire department. We'd, do every, we'd go everywhere that we could. And then if we, if we still couldn't find him, we'd go home. We'd get our four-wheelers and we'd get our side-by-sides and we'd get out in the woods and we'd start going through the woods. And if, if, if we still couldn't find him, we'd call and they'd bring in a helicopter and we'd do everything. We, we got to find little Billy. Wouldn't we? But what if right now in the middle of this sermon I began to call out names of church members, members of this church who have wandered away from the Lord? What would be your response to that? I tell you what would be the response for some people. After the service was over, I'd have some of you come up and get in my face and say, I can't believe you did that. How dare you do that? You're being so judgmental. It's none of your business how they're living their life. How dare you do that? It's none of your business. It's, you, it, it, you shouldn't be getting mixed up in people's lives like that, Brother John. Shame on you for calling their names out like that. that. That doesn't have anything to do with you or me, so why should we get involved? Wouldn't we? And yet the clear teaching of the New Testament is that every Christ follower, every Christ follower has the responsibility to go after those who have wandered away from the Lord. Folks said, I don't have to call their names out because you know them. And you know they used to be sitting in this room. They used to be here all the time. Man, they were so on fire for the Lord, man. Man, when, they were, when it was time to sing, they were singing top of their lungs. If they couldn't carry a tune in the bucket, man, they sing off key. But, man, everybody knew they were here because, man, they were singing. And, man, when it came time to do something in the church, a project that needed to get done, they were the first ones to sign up. When it came time to uh, get on their knees before the Lord to cry out for revival in the church, they were the first one to hit their knees, hit their face before the Lord. Somebody needed witnessing to, somebody's lost, man, they said, I'll go. They take up some money for somebody that's uh, having a hard time, but how much you need? It's our responsibility to go after those people. And there is no special group of people within the church who have this particular responsibility. The responsibility lies squarely on the shoulder of everyone who names the name of Jesus as their Savior. We've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. And we all need to take this responsibility seriously because the stakes are so high. Now let me make one thing clear. It is true. It is true that this responsibility rests on the shoulders of every Christian. But I want you to hear this verse of Scripture from Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Jot that verse down. Galatians 6, 1. And I want to, I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. And listen to what it says. 
Dear brothers and sisters, so ladies, see, Paul included you. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, another believer is overcome by some sin, he says, you who are godly. There's the qualification. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful that you do not fall into the same temptation yourself. So the qualification, it is everybody's job, everybody's responsibility if you name the name of Christ. But the, the qualification is that you are in a godly relationship. And so why do we constantly tell you, get into the Word, stay in the Word, stay on your knees, have a powerful prayer life, be a doer of the Word, and not a hearer only? Because one of the things that is desperately needed in the church is godly people who will go after the wanderers. Perfect place for somebody to have said amen. So are you godly? Doesn't mean you're some kind of super Christian and you got a you know, special badge that you wear or anything like that. It just means that you love the Lord and you're walking with the Lord the very best that you possibly can. Then you qualify to go after the wanderers. Because if you're not, and you go after them, the good chance that you're going to fall right into the temptation that they're in and you're going to be wandering yourself. So what do you do? You go after them and finally, what happens when we bring back a wanderer? Last question, what happens when we bring back a wanderer? Well, the short answer is good things happen. <laughs> good things happen when you bring back a wanderer. Look at verse 20. We'll wrap this thing up. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering, first of all, will save his soul from death. In other words, the wanderer is rescued. Save his soul from death. What's the death that James is talking about here? We know he's not talking about spiritual death where you lose your salvation. That's not what he's talking about. But what he is talking about, he's, he means that when you bring that wanderer back home, you save them from the death of relationships with their brothers and sisters in Christ. Because there's people that used to be sitting in this room that ain't here anymore, and they're not connecting with us, and they're not fellowshipping with us anymore. And so that relationship between you and them has died. So bring them back and save them from that death. Save them from the death of their testimony to the Lord. Because now their testimony, people go, what happened to you? You were so involved in church. You were so committed to Jesus. What has happened to you? So now their testimony is in the tank. So you bring them back and it saves them from the death of their testimony. It saves them from the death of their opportunities to, to serve God and be used by Him. It, it, it saves them from the death of their passionate worship of the living God. Well, I can just worship God out in the woods as good as I can when I'm in church. I get so sick and tired of hearing that stupid excuse for not coming to church. So you save them from not being in, in, in corporate worship and in intimate fellowship passionate worship of God you save them from the death of the of a powerful prayer life they don't have a powerful prayer life if they wandered away from the Lord you won't have a powerful prayer life if you wander away from the Lord you save them from the death of their intimate fellowship with Jesus you save them from the death of their responsiveness to the spirit's leadership in their lives that's what happens when you bring them back they are restored they are rescued and secondly they are restored because James says, and will cover over a multitude of sins. The New Living Translation says, bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Y'all, let me tell you something. 
the freedom and relief of knowing and experiencing the forgiveness of our sins by the grace of God is such a blessing. I mean, amazing grace is a wonderful. The mercy of God is astounding. You think about King David after he had wandered away. He was the man after God's own heart. Been chosen by God to be the person through, whose, through, through his family line would come Jesus. That's David. And yet David wandered away from the Lord. His love for the Lord had grown cold. And so he gave in to the temptation to commit adultery with Bathsheba, then had her husband killed, and all the things that happened. Horrendous sin, but began way back when his joy of his salvation began to wane. And so David said in Psalm 51, 12, when he returned to the Lord, he said, God, would you restore to me the joy of my salvation? Would you restore to me the joy of my salvation? Because David didn't say, Lord, restore my salvation, because he hadn't lost his salvation, but he had lost the joy of his salvation. And when you wander away from the Lord, you lose the joy of your salvation. And so when you bring a wanderer back, you get to see that joy. You get to see that joy restored to their lives and it is a glorious wonderful moment of celebration and when you bring that person back when you're the person that God uses to restore that wanderer you get to be in on that joy as well and it's amazing so for the invitation today there's a couple of different things I want to offer to you as far as your response to this message if you sense God's leadership. One thing is maybe you just got to be real honest. You are the wanderer right now. You are wandering right now. You're in church, but inside you're wandering away from the Lord. Today is your day. You've heard what God wants to do in your life. That he wants to re restore you. He wants to rescue you. And He can do that. He will do that today. If you'll come to Him in brokenness and repentance, just come home. Just come home. And then others of us, you know somebody who is wandering. They're in your family. It might be a child. Might be a spouse, might be a parent, might be a co-worker, a good friend, hunting buddy. Somebody's in your deer camp with you. You know somebody who is wandering right now. And as a result of hearing this message today, the Holy Spirit is saying, You're the one who's going to bring them back. Whoa, 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 not me. Whoa, whoa. No. You're the one who's going to bring them back. And today you need to make a commitment. I'm going to do my best to try to bring him home try to bring her back she's wandering huh you're not being judgmental see we run and we know and you run a risk straight up tell you you run a risk i don't know how many times i've been told preacher that ain't none of your business i mean I had people say whenever they start it with preacher i know that i know i'm, I know I'm, I'm about to get it preacher that ain't none of your business you can get your nose don't be sticking your nose where it don't it ain't supposed to be I had a guy literally tell me that as he was in an adulterous affair I didn't know your business. You're going to have people tell you that. You're going to have people that say you may never, they may, they may never speak to you again. But guess what? That's on them and not on you. 
your job and my job is to do our best to bring that wanderer back home. Because as long as they're out there wandering away, they're in desperate danger. And the enemy is going to absolutely destroy their lives. Maybe you need to come today, just come up to this altar and kneel and pray for that person. You want me to pray with you about that person? Come on, I'd be glad to do that too. If, you wanna, if you're wandering and you want to come home, come pray with me. I'd be glad to do that with you. But maybe that's, either one of those might be the invitation for you. Just whatever God's speaking to you, I just invite you to respond in obedience to him right now as we pray together. So Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. God, first, help us not to be a wanderer. Help us to stand strong with you, Lord, and not wander from you. Help us not be prideful, Lord, thinking, whew, glad he wasn't talking about me today. Glad I'm walking with Jesus. Well, then we just started wandering, and we start thinking that kind of stuff. Lord, and pray for those, uh, God, that need to come forward this morning and have their relationship with you restored, their fellowship with you restored. And whatever decisions, other decisions need to be made, may they be made now to your glory. In Jesus' name I pray.